It's Wednesday and it's two o'clock, so you know what that means. It's time for this week's episode of So What's the Catch? Before we continue, make sure if you haven't done so already, like this video, subscribe to the So What's the Catch YouTube channel, and tell all your friends about it. Now, let's meet the fellow catchers. I don't know, just a name. First up, we call him the Michigan man because he went to the University of Michigan. Cleveland Guardians fan, which is convenient because they're playing right now, and co-host of Guarding the Corner, it's the Michigan man, Brian Fraley. What up, what up? What up? Coming to Next you live up, from, we have uh, the other co-host of Guarding the Corner, founder of ThisIsBelieveLand.com, and a fellow Cleveland Guardians fan, James Masturchi. There we go. Well, I'm jealous I'm not in the Simpsons house because uh, this is this is quite outstanding work uh, for Brian's location here. I thought uh, you would appreciate that. I'm huge not a fan of some friends, so <laughs> huge fan of the Simpsons, obviously. Uh, and real quick, there's only one catcher on this podcast, and it's Brian, by the way. Okay, he actually played catcher. <laughs> I think hey, you were playing I, off the name, right? So what's the catch? Yes. He, he was, he was, but I, I wanted to make sure everybody knew you actually yeah. played catcher. Okay, I appreciate it. Yes. I wasn't going to well. say anything about it, but yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> yes. yes, I know. You're the only legitimate catcher. I was just trying to have fun with it, all right? Give me a break. <laughs> Where's Trent Berserk? Is he in the waiting room yet? You mean the wild? You mean this wild card known as Church Berserk? There he is. Hold on. Start. Yo, how you doing? I've been doing good. Doing good. A little annoyed that the Warriors made it, though. Well, that's going to be a good segue into our first topic because we're going to go right into uh, the Warriors versus Celtics uh, matching up in the the finals. So, Chirk, why are you frustrated with Golden State being in the final? I mean, I'll give them the devils their due. They are the one of the best teams in the NBA, but man, I still got that sting when they beat the Cavs. Ah, I got you. And I and I still don't like Draymond. So who do you like in the series, real quick? Celtics. Celtics. I would say to seven, if I'm being realistic. Cool. Why don't we just go around the horn then? Uh, I've got the Warriors in seven. I think Boston's going to give them a headache, but I think the Warriors are the better team. Um, but I will say, if I'm going to be wrong, I think I'll be wrong because the Warriors sweep. Because I think that's the only other possibility, is either we have a really good seven-game series or the Warriors sweep. But I think they win in seven. Uh, in our text chain, uh, I said Warriors in five. I'm going to take that back. Because Warriors sweep. Get this over with. The Celtics are not good enough, okay? You uh, sure? Yeah, I'm sure. The Warriors are that much better than the Celtics. I'm sorry. And what's going to come down to is experience, okay? The Warriors have experience in the finals. Steve Kerr has experience in the finals. Who doesn't? The Celtics. Ime Udoka, they don't have experience in the finals. That matters. Yeah, and we know the Warriors are the the home – have home team advantage during the series as well. Um, so you know it's going to be crazy. You know, in San Francisco, we've seen the scenes for the past – half a decade, you know, not the past couple of years, but you know, like for four years in a row, we, we saw what it was like there. So Boston's got their hands full. 
Um, they're going to have to win at least one on the road if they're going to win the series. And that's the part that worries me. Um, but I, I just I think that this Boston team is just like really, really scrappy. I, I really like their defensive effort. Um, I, I think it's a it's kind of in the face of what like the rest of the NBA has kind of been trending towards. Boston's like kind of a throwback team. Like yeah. they play a lot of defense and uh, team ball. And I just think that they make it interesting. But you know, part of me also thinks that that's just me being a Warriors hater. But so <laughs> join the club. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't like the Warriors either, but that's not even the reason why I'm picking the Celtics in this series. Um, Cause that legitimately, that has nothing to do with it. Um, First of all, I have been waiting for this matchup in the finals since it looked like we were going to get it in 2018. I Every year since then, I've been like, please let it be Celtics-Warriors, and I am finally getting it. I think every game of this series is going to come right down to the final minute. You will not see one blowout in this series. Not Ooh, one. That's bold. That's bold oh. based off. Oh, Warriors win by 20 plus all four games. It's over. But what are we doing here? Come on. No. If we're talking no. about teams that are good versus teams oh. that are great, the Celtics are good. The Warriors are great. Okay. It's an entirely stratosphere. Oh, I'm wrong. We'll see what happens in a week when the Warriors are going down for their what? Fourth championship parade? Come on. I mean, dude. Okay. Wait. Look at the starting lineups. Find me one matchup that's a bad matchup, okay? Marcus Smart against Steph Curry. You Steph have Curry has a huge advantage. Marcus Smart no. completely irrelevant. Keep going. No, no, no. keep going. No, no. you're, you're no. gonna tell me the no. and I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you as the advantage. This is what we're doing now. So do this. Okay, you have, keep going. I like okay. this. Yeah, keep going. You have Jalen Brown, Clay Thompson. Clay Great Thompson. Matchup. Keep going. Andrew Wiggins, Jason Tatum, advantage Celtics. I'll give you Jason Tatum over Andrew Wiggins. I'll give you that one. that one. Yeah, I got that one. Continue. Dray- Draymond Green, Al Horford, even. No. I'm going to go Draymond on this as one. As much as I don't like Draymond, I'm going to have I'm to go. I'm going Draymond on this one. I think Al Horford is old, and he's not anything remotely close enough to being good enough to make an impact here. Plus – defensively, they're going to put Draymond on Jason Tatum and Andrew Wiggins on Al Horford. So continue. Okay, and then Kevon Looney, Robert Williams. Pucks. That's a wash. New character. Yeah, it's, it's a wash. Okay, that's that's not even what I was going for, but what I was what I was actually going for there was when you watch, look at the actual matchups, there's not one where it's like, oh, that's a bad matchup. That's not going to be interesting to watch. Like, how about that bench? The bench matchup is fascinating too. Like, when Golden State brings in Jordan Poole, is that when the Celtics bring in Grant Williams? How much do we see Peyton Pritchard in this series? Because he's a he can be a streaky shooter, but he's not great on defense. So, how much do we see him? How deep are the Celtics going to go into their bench? How deep are the Warriors going to go into their bench? It's a fascinating matchup. When I look at the starting lineup in the individual matchups, I don't see one where it's like, oh, that's a bad matchup. Steph Curry against Marcus Smart. Greatest shooter of all time against the defensive player of the year. I am very interested in that matchup. Great matchup. 
I will say this. The reason I said that I think it goes seven is because of the Celtics defense. I think that that, yeah. that defense is really legit. And the Warriors have shown signs of weakness in this postseason that we haven't seen in years past. We've seen Curry have nights where he was really off shooting. Um, there was a stretch of five or six games where he was just not himself. Um, and, you know, they're a team that relies heavily on the jump shot. And it's like if they have a game where their shots aren't falling, you know, I think the Celtics can handle that game easy with their defense and their, you know, points in the paint and all that. So it, it, it's all going to be dependent on what Steph and Clay do. Uh, James, you're right, though. All we've seen them do is, time and time again is win. But they've also shown, you know, they don't look quite like the Steph and Clay they did a few years ago. I will say that. You know, we've seen things from Curry we haven't seen before. Like, he missed two free throws in a row. Like, he just does. This hasn't been your classic Golden State Warriors domination run to the finals that we saw in years past. And that's why I'm a little nervous that the Celtics stretch it out a couple of games. And, and I didn't think that they were going to sweep. I mean, I, I do think you have some fair points there. The one thing that I come back to is that. When it comes down to a team that's better defensively versus a team that's better offensively, eventually the team that's better offensively is going to win out. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's because they can just score at will where the other teams like, we got to keep it to this. If you mm -hmm. have, if your team that's, we got to keep it to this, you're screwed. So are you yeah. saying offense wins championships now? Uh, well, defense has been irrelevant in the NBA for 15 years. So yeah. That's why I'm so confused by this matchup. And, like, I feel like it could be a sweep or it could be a really, really good series. Because... I, I think it's a sweep. I think the East stinks, and I think it just – it wasn't even – I think the Celtics just kind of were able to go through their way. Sure, you can apply this to most teams most years, but I did not – I wasn't really impressed by any of the competition the Celtics faced. Okay, yeah. I can make – James, I can make that same argument for the against the Warriors. That's fair, okay. but the Warriors have the pedigree, and that's different. Okay, okay. We've exactly. seen the Warriors do that. We've never seen the Celtics get here. Okay, true. Yeah. But here's the thing: who did the Warriors play in the first round? They went up against a Denver Nuggets team that only had Nikola Jokic. Yes, he's the MVP, but they didn't have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. Second round, they go against Memphis. Grizzlies are without Dylan Brooks essentially for two games because he got ejected mm -hmm. in one game and then suspended for the next. And then John Morant was hobbled in the final three games of the series, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And then they made Dallas look average, which they kind of are. They're not. I didn't think they were. And, and like I said, you can, you can apply this to most teams on most years, but what I go back to is, is pedigree here. What I go back to is success in years past. Yeah. The Warriors have gone significantly farther than the Celtics had in, I don't know, 20 years. Okay. When's the last time wow. the Celtics won a title before 08 or whenever the hell it was? I think it was 10, 2010 or 2008, yes. was it? Yeah. There's Ozan, there's whatever. Since 15 years ago, the last time the Celtics won a title was the 80s, okay? So the Warriors have had significantly more success in the past just under a decade than the Celtics have uh, since I've been alive. Yeah. So, That's why I'm 100% comfortable picking the Warriors to win. Like I said, I got Warriors in seven, but I, I do think that there's the ability for a sweep. Like, I, I, I just don't see Boston being able to, to win this series. But I do see uh, no, no. I, I think they can. 
But I, what I think is we see a little bit of what we've seen throughout this postseason. They're going to have a night or two where Steph and Clay just are off. And I, I think that Boston will take advantage of that and they'll win those games, I think, pretty handily, actually. Like, if Steph and Clay are both off, they're in trouble. Um, yeah. But yeah, I Boston agree. was the best team in the NBA for the last 30 games of the NBA uh, regular season. So they were hot going into the postseason. You know, they beat the defending champs on their way. Uh, so, you know, they've done they've done some things to prove themselves, but I just don't think it's enough to overcome the Warriors. I just I look at this, and this reminds me so much of the 07 finals between the Spurs and the Cavs, where the Cavs were just going really? after the other team. It really I don't matters. think it's like that. It reminds me of just that much of a mismatch, that they're not going to have a chance. I just – I don't believe in the Celtics team. I think they're good, not great. I think – They've overachieved for most of the season, including the playoffs. I so, just I don't think they have enough there to actually make this competitive. I mean, well, shit, they're starting Al Horford in 2022. What are we doing? Al Horford's still games not bad. The postseason, though. He, 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 had, but he was unreal. Age catches up with you in the finals, man. Age especially up. when you're going seven-game series on your way to get there. You know, okay. So like, he's, he's got some wear and tear, and, and that's going to catch up to him. That's for sure. I understand that, and you you both make valid points. So I and I don't totally disagree with anything you're saying. Um, I just think that the Celtics' defense it, is something the Warriors have not faced in this in their postseason run. Memphis isn't at the level of Boston defensively. Denver obviously wasn't. Dallas what wasn't, and. You, but you could say the same thing about Boston going against offensive teams. Like, Brooklyn, yeah, they had Kyrie and Kevin Durant, but you could tell that something was off with them for those four games, for the most part. I'm not going to say it was because Kyrie and Boston, whatever, but something was off with the Nets throughout that series. And with the Bucks, it was, oh, they didn't have Chris Middleton for that whole series. How would that have changed this series and all that? And Miami, yeah, they Jimmy Butler had a couple 40-point games, but it's like he'll have one of those types of games, and then he'll have like a 14-point game. So Miami didn't have a consistent offense, and Kyle Lowry was in and out of the lineup, and Tyler Hero in and out of the lineup. So sounds like you're making arguments for for Golden State now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm hearing. Number one, number two, uh, the Warriors are scoring 114 and a half points a game this season. That uh, this postseason, this leads all postseason teams. Okay, Celtics 107.1. That's seven points is a lot, especially in the postseason. What about defensively, each team? Then you look at field goals made per game. Golden State's making 42. Boston, 37. Ooh. Yeah, big difference there. Field goal percentage, Warriors are have, have the uh, the edge in that as well that's by just about 4%. And they shoot a, a ton of threes, so that's kind of shocking. Threes, threes is similar. Threes is similar. 13 and yeah. a half to 13.4, 30, you know, three-point percentage, 37.9. Uh, 36.2, both in the favor of the Warriors, but it's closer. Yeah. And, and I'll say this about the Warriors, too. Like, they, they play more defense than people give them credit for. They do. I agree. 
Clay's a good defender. He, he's a really good defender when he, you know, I he hasn't looked quite like he has in years past, but I think that the the occasion, I think he'll rise to it. Um, he, I, I just love Clay Thompson. Everything he does is special, and I oh, think yeah. he'll rise to the occasion. And I think to see his effort level go up mightily in this series. Um, so it, it's not like they don't play any defense at all, you know. So it, it, is the Boston defense? Are they the best in the NBA? I think so defensively, yes. But is that defense good enough to edge out the Golden State offense? And that's why I just don't see them being able to put four wins together against them. That's a fair argument. And by no means do I disregard Golden State's defense. Um, I think they are – you got Draymond Green, reigning deep, who's one defensive player of the year. Yeah, I didn't even mention him because that goes – Oh, yeah. Isn't Marcus Smart defensive player of the year? Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year for the Celtics, so yes. Oh, why are you um, doing that? <laughs> it's a guard. He shouldn't win that award. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh my God. You, you, Give me I, a I definitely knew you were going to hate on that. Give me a, a guard. It's been a he's long a time. Another guard won Defensive. He's a good defender, but he's a guard. Yeah. So why was the guard winning? Defensive Player of the Year award should go to small forward, power forward, center. No, I think it should be about steals and what, what, like, how you like the guard is one of the people that guards at, like multiple positions. And Mark Smart guards two positions. Small forward would actually fit that better because a small forward can guard point guard to center. Number one. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They see, that, was, that was the acceptance of defeat right there. That's what that yeah. was. Uh, <laughs> but, but let's be real here. If we're looking at versatile defenders, it's got to be small forwards and even the more athletic power forwards and guys who are centers, but are they're not centers. Like Evan yeah. Mobley's not a center. You can call him a center. He's not. And what about uh, Giannis is listed as a small forward and he's the same fucking size as Evan Mobley. Okay. Right. Now, do you think Smart can get his fouls called for him? Uh, that could be playing? the difference. Where are they playing? Who's who's repping the game? If it's in if it's in San Francisco, uh, Marcus Smart is not going to be uh, be friends with the referees. I'll tell you that right now. I, I'm, I'm saying I think that could be the way the Celtics win the series too. I don't think the Celtics have a chance at all with, with the refs. I, I I think they have zero chance in this series. I think they have zero chance with the refs. You know why? Because the Warriors have been there before. They Are you taking the season, Turk? I forgot what you said. Did you say you're taking the Celtics? Yes, I did. How yeah. many? In seven. South, okay, Celtics in seven. Josh, that's what you had too? Yeah, Turk and I have the same prediction. These hmm. are the Warriors in seven. So Warriors, we'll split sweet. down the middle. That's Warriors sweet for me. Uh, Let I'm me being super this. aggressive. Do you, do you think that their window is closing with the Warriors, or do you think that they have enough pieces there that, like, even if they did fall short this year, that the you know are they going to be back in it next season? Absolutely, they'll be back in it next season, a hundred percent. I think they're going to have trouble against Phoenix. No, well, I think the Suns. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, Chirk. I think the Suns' window is pretty slim. It's it's not as wide open anymore because their best chance to win it was. This season, they failed, and who knows if they're going to retain DeAndre Ayton or not. Chris Paul turned he's 30. Detroit. He's going to be a piston. <laughs> prediction. Hey, he can go, he can go uh, to Detroit. Uh, Detroit can uh, acquire Colin Sexton, too. They, yeah, yeah. Do that. Do Love both him. of those. They have the cap space. Make it happen, Detroit. But, hey, uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski's uh, dad, go do something. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. He works for the Pistons in their front office. I think. Okay. Uh, I is, think isn't he their isn't he their GM? I think so. That's yeah, the yeah. You Honestly, might be, I think that team with Sexton and Aiton probably could fit better. He's the, the, uh, go on. Go, on. Uh, go, go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm looking at the Pistons roster right now, just seeing what, what if it's possible. So, no, I don't think, although I have the Celtics winning this series, I think the Warriors will be right back in position to win the finals next year and for the next couple years. What's interesting about the Warriors actually is they've gone through like phases. You had the 2015 and 2016 Warriors or the once they drafted Clay, Steph and Draymond, I think in consecutive years they drafted the three of them. I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. So but either way, like they phase one was them winning in 2015. Then 2017 through 2019 was the phase of the Warriors where they had Kevin Durant and they pretty much were unstoppable. Hey, even though Toronto won the title in 2019, if Clay doesn't get injured early in the series, even though he played through it, and KD doesn't get injured. Toronto, or I'm sorry, Golden State destroys them in that series. I'm not going to deny that. Now you have this phase of the Warriors, the post-Kevin Durant version, where Steph is still playing really well. Clay is coming back from injury. Draymond is still at the top of his game. But uh, they're starting to bring in some younger guys that fit their system. And Andrew Wiggins, Gary Payton III. Jordan Poole, guys like that. So, yeah, I I think the Warriors are going to be right back in position. They'll win titles in two two or three more titles in the next few years. I I think the the Warriors' realistic window ends after next season, okay? Mm -hmm. I think that's when it – well, like, they'll still be a good team. They'll still have postseason runs, but I don't think they'll win titles after next season. I just think at that point, there's going to be too much mileage on those bodies. They're going to be just at that age where you start to see the decline. Still really good player, but there's the plateau, the little decline, then other plateau again, then, it, then the player craters. I think we'll see them in that little plateau prior to the crater um, mm-hmm. after for maybe a year or two after next season, and then they'll just kind of age themselves out. Okay. I, mean, I think I think I don't know. I mean, I think Clay could have a good couple good more years. I think Clay too. He, he can be very productive in a catch and shoot um, type of situation. Okay, like he could turn into essentially what Ray Allen was at the end of his career, where it's just go stand in the corner and catch it, catch the ball and shoot a three, yeah. or shoot a three in transition. But like you're not looking for Clay Thompson to be a, a big ball handler, right? <laughs> but he never has been, anyways. But you're not looking for him to be your primary ball handler. He's a guy that gets free off the screen, catches and shoots. He's the guy that's in the corner and you draw his defender in with somebody else and he shoots a three that's open to him and into like Steph Curry, but nobody else. Yeah. Cause in tight Turk. Thank you. Yes. So I've turned off the camera. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Like I said, I don't think we're going to have 
one blowout in this series. Every game is going to be decided in the you, final few minutes. You forgot one more underrated player on the Celtics, Derek White. Yes, that. Is, thank you for reminding me about that. That's another one. Like he's a good sub. I I agree with you, Church. That's why, like I said, the this matchup is so fascinating. Um, I'm not going to go through it again, but like you got bench players. Is Gary Payton the is Gary Payton the third going to be available for this series? If so, he's going to be a good a good player coming off the bench for the Golden State. Jordan Poole. Um, Shout Peyton out Pritchard, Poole, University of Michigan. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Peyton Pritchard for the Celtics. You got um, Grant Williams, Derek White. I just think it's a fascinating matchup all the way around. I've been waiting for this matchup for four years now. I think it's going to fully deliver. I can't wait. Can email well, two, thing. two things, Josh. One that makes you a traitor. Two, it's Gary Payton Jr. You called him the, the third twice now. It's Junior. Junior. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Actually, he might go by the second. He might by the Junior, the second, six of one, half a dozen of the other. It means the same thing. <laughs> uh, either wait. way, he is the okay. junior. But how am I a traitor? 2018 with Cavs Warriors. Traitor. Yeah. Yeah, you did say you wanted them to win. You said you wanted it in 2018. Traitor. Yeah, you did say I that. I thought you were a big Cavs fan, but looky here. It's Boston Josh. Yeah. And the Cavs could have won that game. They could have won the series if it wasn't for JR's mess up. Okay. They wouldn't have won that series. They wouldn't have won a game. Okay. okay. No, they would have won the series. Oh, hell no. Who you guys want the series MVP? Let's do that. Okay. Series MVP. Who you guys got? If you got taking Celtics, so who's the Celtic that's doing it? Well, let me just say, yeah, it has to be Tatum. I'll say, but I'll say, if the Warriors do win the series, I'll I'll give Steph his props and say he finally wins in Finals MVP. That will give it. Okay, but that's not the question. The question is, who do you have winning Finals MVP? I said. If the Celtics win, it's Jason Tatum, and if the okay. Warriors win, it's no get the head your bets. Pick one. Pick one or the one. other. Pick one. one. You don't get to do two. One. Fine, Jason Tatum. There we go. Chirk. J- I would say Luke Cornett. No, Jason Tatum. Uh, <laughs> you know who that is, James? Yes, I know who Luke Cornett is. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting Ryan. a note on Jordan Poole. <laughs> what? I'm putting a note on Jordan Poole. You're saying Jordan Poole's? Wait till you see. Uh, Hold on. Let me give you the uh, the juice on this one. He's got really great value. Uh, I'm. I don't totally disagree with you on that one, Brian. I, I'm going Clay Thompson. By the way, you want to say I'm going to go Steph. I'm going to go Clay Thompson. Okay, so to go you- with Vegas here, Jason Tatum is the favorite at I plus seventy five. Steph is plus one twenty. So a little bit lower. So no, no. Right now, Tatum has the edge over Steph. Steph's plus 120. And then in third place, Marcus Smart. Are, no, are these- this is wrong. This is wrong. You NBA. guys know what would have made the difference for, for the Celtics right now if they would have not traded away Taco? You think no, that's Taco it? doesn't mean shit in this series. No. But, <laughs> but, okay. Uh, are, are those live odds or are those odds affected by betting, which has altered the lines? Because that's the only thing I can think of for why Jason Tatum's favorite over Steph Curry. 
Yeah. 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 That that has a lot to do with it. The, the I, blinds I, move uh, quite a bit. They opened with Steph Curry being the favorite, so that's exactly the, what the upper. Were, okay, and uh, game one's tomorrow, right? It is. Yes. Tomorrow. Yep. So so it opened up with Steph. I bet Steph is the favorite by the time of tip off tomorrow because the money's going to shift back to betting on him because he's not the favorite anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would guess that's you're right. Talk. And. Let me just say this. I know you're accusing me of being a traitor. Of course, as a Cavaliers fan first, I wanted the Cavs to win. But as a just from a pure basketball fan, so two different things. Pure basketball fan, I wanted to see Celtics-Warriors. But as a Cavaliers fan, yes, I wanted the Cavs to go to the finals. I mean, I, I know if I can trust you, Josh. I mean, you're wearing green right now. He's a Celtics right. fan. He's the closet Celtics fan. And he is. Oh, Man, Jordan Poole is, is plus 3000 So a $100 bet on Jordan Poole wins you three grand. Who, who are the best trash players in each team? I, I don't know. know. It doesn't matter. They're the, the guys that play zero minutes. Oh, oh. <laughs> Nick Stauskas on the Boston Celtics. Nick, whoa. He's on the Celtics? Good for him. Yes. Yeah. Good for no him. What, they, uh, Nick Stauskas. Yeah, yeah, no matter what, a former Wolverine will be lifting the trophy. plays <laughs> for the Celtics. And then obviously go. Jordan Poole. Wait, who's who's on the Warriors? What do you say? Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. No, 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 not not. He's good. I said trash. Oh, we're talking about bad players. Oh, oh, I thought your question was Michigan. Already went through the Celtics. Stauskas. Yeah, Stauskas is probably the the most garbage player on their team. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull up the Warriors depth chart here. Uh, da, 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 da. Moses oh, Moody. Nick huh? Stauskas is making four hundred thousand. Who is it? James Moses Moody, uh, Damian Lee. I'm looking at the fifth line on their rotation, is what I'm doing. Damian Lee's not horrible. Uh, Nemanja Bajelica. There we go. He sucks. Oh, Bielitz is not the worst. He's terrible. He was good. No, I meant like, uh, yeah, he was pretty bad. He's so terrible. I didn't pronounce his name right. Okay. (laughs) That's how terrible he is. <laughs> and all right, only four hundred thirty thousand dollars. That's hilarious. What? Four hundred thirty thousand dollars a year is Nick Stauskas's contract. Are you kidding me? No, I think it's the league minimum. I could that's league minimum. minimum. Yeah, it has to. Does be. he deserve that? Yeah, league I, minimum, sure. For a guy that never has to play. Yeah. That's play one to two minutes a game. I, if I would that, love to have that contract. I mean, he's he's their Darko. Yeah. He's more like Adam Morrison. comes in when they're up by 30 or they're down by 30. He's more like Adam Morrison than the Darko. He plays garbage time. One team or the other, perhaps both, have put in their white flag lineups. Okay? Mm. Or it's, let's just get this shit over with. I don't want to compete. I don't want anyone important to get hurt. If any of these guys get hurt, guess what? There's a guy in the G League that can come up and replace them. Because you know why? They don't play. Yeah. I mean, shit, this is like Sasha Cowan territory that we're talking about. <laughs> All right? These or guys Sasha. don't play, and they're not supposed to play. Remember when Sasha Pavlovich was playing? I remember Sasha Pavlovich. Yeah. He was How did, Where did his name just come from? He just brought up – he heard Sasha and went, oh, Cavs, Sasha Pavlovich. <laughs> That's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what happened, yes. That is not wrong. Chirk, this is why we call you the wild card, dude. Anyways, uh, I mean, <laughs> shit, we have uh, more old cast players about Terrell Brandon. No, 
I, go. I'm good with Sasha Pavlovich. Yeah, or, or, or Steve Kerr. Ron Hart. Bill Lambeer. Come on. Jamar, Jamario Moon. I miss Jamario. But he was bad. I renewable. Oh, Darius Miles. There you Darius. go. I was seeing if somebody would catch that. Oh, I caught that. I played with jackasses in the middle of nowhere high school or middle school doing that during during league games. I'm like, really? I'm like, dude, you're five foot two. You made a layup. Calm down. Yeah, How when about- I was playing basketball, that was still a thing. Yeah, people were just like, oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, you stink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about J.J. Hickson? What are we doing right now? Uh, let's just do that for the next hour and a half just name old Cavs players yes you got a jj hickson real quick most annoying non-trade that never happened not trading fucking jj hickson for amari stoudemire oh yes we could have had him hickson had he had some bounce man he was explosive but yeah that that would have been a slam dunk trade obviously and lebron would have left you think with the oh, he probably still would have left, but he might have left with the ring already. Right, exactly. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I think LeBron was always going somewhere, but it would have been nice to win before he left the first time. We also may not have seen uh, starting center Shaquille O'Neal in Cleveland either. Oh yeah, that was fun. God, Shaq played for every team in the NBA. I swear to God. It seems like I would have, I would have loved to see him just do just uh, sign ten day contracts with every team and come up with yeah. a, a handful of new nicknames for each new city that uh, he has. Oh my god, that would be so awesome! Be so I love it. I love it. I love that idea. That would have been so fun if he would have done that. Back to Cleveland, we heard oh, a good James's favorite tight end signed a five. Signed oh, we're not there. We're not talking about Browns yet. We have some. Cleveland basketball stuff to talk, talk about yeah. because Let's get to uh, basketball. Have, have you heard, have you heard that there's a former Cavalier? He's currently residing in California. He's coming back to Cleveland. It's Luke Walton. Hey, <laughs> he's the assistant coach under JB Bickerstaff. Yeah, Come on. How'd you like that trick? Got you all hyped up for Luke fucking Walton. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad move. I mean, I think he's a better assistant than a head. He's a terrible head coach, but yeah, he's shown the ability to, to to be productive in the assistant capacity. And if a coach has to have a leave of absence for one reason or another, he can he can handle things on yeah. the short term. Yeah, I think he can. And I think that was the best move the Cavs made to get Luke Walton because, like I said, better assistant coach than a head coach. Yeah, I, I mean, people forget he coached – more of the Warriors games during that 30, uh, 73 and 9 season that Steve Kerr did. That's yeah. right. He did. Like, that happened. That did happen. Great. Yeah. That's the best regular season of all time. Uh, regular season of all time. Yup. They uh, Patriots themselves. They did. They, they did were Seattle Mariners themselves or insert team here. Okay. Yeah. 90s but- Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> I would say even that year's Cleveland Guardians. But that year's Cleveland Guardians. Mm. Yeah. But Luke Walton coming back to the Cavs. Yeah. Uh, it's a mid higher for me. I think there's better options out there, but I, I do agree with what you said. If if we need somebody to step in as a short-term solution, he's definitely a guy that can, you know, has shown that he could handle that. So I'm okay with it. It just doesn't it doesn't do anything for me, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah interesting sliding doors moment in all of this. Uh, Bickerstaff actually almost joined Luke Walton in Sacramento before Bickerstaff got hired in, in Cleveland under John Beeline. That's wow. Cool. So imagine the world where Beeline gets fired, but Bickerstaff's in Sacramento under Luke Walton, and where they're just continuing to be terrible. Wow. Uh, we probably still go or going through the you know the bottom of the barrel of coaches here. You know, bring back Mike Brown for a third time. Or, uh, <laughs> I hate when we, yeah, I, I can't believe we did that. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that was really stupid. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah. interesting. I do think it's interesting that now two four two Warriors assistant coaches have been hired elsewhere. Like Mike Brown, Warriors assistant, got hired to be the Sacramento Kings head coach. Luke Look Wong. Just circle of nightmare that is. <laughs> The head coach the Kings? Going from the Cavs to an assistant on the Warriors to the head coach of the uh, the Kings, I expect this Mike Brown as an assistant in Cleveland in two and a half series. Se- I'm serious. Yeah, Mike Brown was an, was an uh, assistant with the Lakers when he only went to the playoffs only because they had Kobe. Mm. When LeBron comes back, I'm sure he'll bring Mike Brown with him. You oh, sure? no, what will happen is we'll have Mike Brown here, then LeBron's going to be able to come back and we'll fire Mike Brown again. There we go. <laughs> that's I what like he's that. going to do. It's, it's, <laughs> it's destiny is what that is. Let's, let's yeah. be real here. That, back to what we were saying about Luke Walton. Could we ever have the dream commentary of Austin Carr and Bill Walton? I love Bill Walton so much. That man's a national treasure. Give me I would love Walton. both of those. Yeah, Bill, Bill Walton. Walton. Yeah, Bill Walton on commentary is just – a barrel of fun with yeah, with cool. Austin Carr too. Eh, I could live without Austin Carr's comments. Just give me. I just want him to have a microphone. Just no, no play by play. I just want him to sit there and just tell us what, how he thinks the game's going and what his general feelings are because that would be quite the roller coaster trip. And I imagine he would be on a trip of some sorts as well. So oh. it would be a lot of fun <laughs> for the uh, the audience. Okay. Yeah, I, it, Bill Walton has done all of the acid in the world. All of it. <laughs> he'll 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 get Uber down to the stadium or driven or in a car or whatever. Yeah, he's not going to be in a state of mind to drive. He's going to be listening <laughs> to Grateful Dead the entire way there. I don't then think he has a driver's license anymore. He knows better. <laughs> he's going to request the stadium just play Grateful Dead in between every single uh, timeout before and after the game and halftime. Oh, that, look at that. Look at that. Okay. Dead caps. Here. Shout that, out. I, I mean, I didn't even think about the Walton connection. That's, that's fitting because Luke Walton's also a big fan of the Grateful Dead as well. How about what about Austin Carr with him? Throws the hammer down. He he certainly throws the hammer down. And then and then what, I love Austin Carr. I really do. I really do. And what's his he's other gem? I love he could be a rough listen. He could yeah, be a real rough, rough listen. Why do you say he's a real rough listen? He's a he's a he's a homer. That's not always good. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. It's, sometimes it's not. And, it's and the fact, that, guy, I guess, but I, I don't know. He's just very. And the fact that he sometimes states the obvious at weird times makes him even better. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, there is no tradition unlike any other than Austin Carr taking to Twitter three hours before tip off. Hey, Cleveland, it's game time. <laughs> says some other stuff with multiple spelling and grammar errors and and words put together. Okay, again, winning time. Every single time. Hey, Cleveland, it's game time. It's winning time, Cleveland. And he said it out at 3.59, because I assume that's the time he logged into the stadium's Wi-Fi 
as he got there before the game starts. Of course. <laughs> Again, he's one I of the best Cavs players. I really do. Down, absolutely. And I, he's a good guy, but I just, I, he's a painful listen for me. I Why think we need to cycle in somebody else with him and alternate, honestly. Uh, him and Bill Walton. 82 games, Austin Carr can get a, a little rough towards the it end. Is, it's a long season. Go ahead, I, Josh. That's why when the Cavs are on national TV, I prefer to watch the national broadcast instead because you tend to get an unbiased perspective when you listen to mm-hmm. the national. At least you're supposed to. You're no, supposed you, do, you don't. And here's why. Because a, a big corporation like ESPN, Fox Sports, wherever you're watching this game, TNT, okay, they are keeping in mind when they're putting together these broadcasts about their overarching narratives and overarching agendas and, and stuff. So you, what you'll see in an ESPN broadcast, if it's Warrior Celtics, what have they been talking about all week on all those terrible shows that I hate? Because guess what? Everything that they talk about is going to be inserted into the broadcast because guess what? They can talk about it the next day and the cycle mm-hmm. continues. Okay? So you're not going to get unbiased discussion. That's what they present, but you're not going to get it. Yeah, you're okay? going to get it. Especially when that, that fucking corpse Hubie Brown's on a broadcast. Okay? Mm-hmm. That guy's the fucking worst. Yeah, and uh, Mad Dog, what, what's his name? Russo? I can't mm-hmm. stand that guy either. Holy shit. He's or, the new Skip Bayless. How about uh, uh, who who's the one who hated the Cavs? Was that Van Gundy? Did Van Gundy hate the Cavs? Oh, uh, uh, oh, uh, Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, uh, he. Well, here's the thing about Jeff Van Gundy. Okay, he doesn't necessarily hate the Cavs. He grew up in the Bay Area, and he's a Warriors fan. Come mm, on, yeah. this is this is knowledge that okay. I'm not sure everybody is quite aware of. I only caught this because I was watching a Detroit Tigers broadcast when Stan Van Gundy was the coach of the Pistons. He went into the booth to talk about his brother Jeff, and they grew up in that area, and he latched on to being a Warriors fan since a child. So See, if you ever hear any, what sounds like a little bit of bias in Jeff Van Gundy calling a Warriors game, that's why. Uh, yeah, makes okay. sense now. Makes, makes total sense. Yeah. Now. Okay, so maybe bas- basketball was a bad example of it, clearly, but would you like to talk about a uh, uh, baseball broadcast with Alex Rodriguez in the Yankee game? Would you like to talk about those? Yeah. No. Uh, see, I, I I really like Alex Rodriguez, but he can be a Yankees owner. This is part of the problem with like always hiring former players. You know, it's hard to get people who are like not heavily biased. You know what I mean? And hmm. you can't blame them. Like, who would I mean? You know, some of them might might not. Force. Go ahead. No, I was done with my thought. Go ahead. I was saying they could also be against their former team because of the organization purposes. I mean, sure. Be saying bad things about them on commentary. That I've heard that happen. I mean, look at look at Charles Oakley, for example. Okay. Uh, him and the Knicks did not get along for a while. Okay. But, you know, when you look at, there are a lot of times former players go on and they're very much former team pro agenda. I mean, again, I mentioned A-Rod is very pro Yankee. Uh, Nick Switcher. I love Nick Switcher. Pro Yankee. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, outwardly saying let's go Yankees on their pregame broadcasts. Right. Yeah. He literally doesn't hide it at okay. all. Yeah, and like David Ortiz, I love him too. He 
he voices his distaste of the Yankees. Yeah. You quite know I mean? Yeah, quite openly. So it's it's you're not always getting the the unbiased uh, product that they present to you. Yeah, they're they're few and far between. Like finding like genuinely unbiased like people who don't show it. You know, it's 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 hard to to find anybody and the yeah. who's not biased in one way or another. Fair point. That's Anyways, I... we've gone completely off the rails here. Okay, because forty five minutes in, we've talked about two things Oof. on the show sheet here. Um, real quick. Speaking of Cavs coaches that have been hired, uh, Ime Yudoka said he was the runner-up to the Cavs, the Pistons, and the Pacers during their coaching searches. That's interesting. Before getting hired by the Celtics. Wow. Missed opportunity there. Definitely. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I didn't hear that. Uh, it, that, that makes you wonder. It, it does. But at the same time, probably better for him that he was the runner-up then so he could coach this Celtics team. Okay. Oh, God, for him, yeah. I mean, the, the Pistons, dumpster fire. The Pacers, dumpster fire. The Cavs, they were a dumpster fire. Who? Yeah. I mean, let's say they hired Yudoka during their last coaching search. Who's to say he's here still? That's a good point, too. Yep. And you look at the Pacers hire, it was, it was Rick Carlisle. I mean, he's just there to manage a team going through bottom-feeding time and just try to provide some stability to the franchise before they get their, their way back up. The, the way I've always described Rick Carlisle is he is the guy before the guy that you have as your head coach, okay? He's not going to get you there, even though he did once. The majority of times, he's not going to get you there. It's the next guy that gets them over the hill. Yeah, right. they're like gap quarterbacks, like these quarterbacks that, that go from team to team and, and are basically just holding a spot until they have a number one pick the next year or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, yeah, that's definitely what's happening, so – and so, I mean, Yudoka, you're better off not being in any of those places. You're better off being in Boston. Clearly, you're in the finals. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a really good chance that he gets fired after a year or two or middle of the second season when the team's 20 games below 500 and yeah. again. I mean, but, yeah, it's an eye opener to me that those teams that you ran through, none of them took a flyer on them. Um, it's just puzzling because he, I mean, he's shown that he's more than capable of being a, a very, very good head coach. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with JB. I mean, he's done a good job, but um, it would have been interesting to see what he could have done with this team. Certainly. I agree with you. Maybe it might be just, it might just be the case of right coach at the right time for the Celtics. And we'll see maybe Baker staff turns out to be the same way of him being the right coach for the right team. So far, so good. I mean, I can't really complain with what Bickerstaff's done in Cleveland. Oh, I mean, no way. I, yeah. I like Bickerstaff, but I think Bickerstaff ultimately falls into the same category as a guy like Rick Carlisle. He's gonna be no, I think Bickerstaff is up and coming. Do you know how old Bickerstaff is? He's only in his 40s. He's only in his 40s. <laughs> Not up and coming. It's still up and coming. It's not up and coming. That's not generous. Forty three is not up and coming. Forty three with lots of experience already is not up and coming. That's okay. Yeah, he's been coaching since two thousand four. Ime Yudoka is up and coming. When the Celtics hired Brad Stevens, that was up and coming. When the Thunder hired what's his toes from Florida, okay, Billy Donovan, up and coming. Thank you. I completely forgot his name. 
This will age him for you, Church. His first coaching job was with the Charlotte Bobcats. Oh, wow. my God. So, up and, wow. up and coming is generous as fuck. He's established. He was there when, when, Jay, when uh, Gerald Wallace was there. Wow. He was there from 2004 to 2007 as an assistant. So, Gerald Wallace uh, – what was that one? Uh, Mecca Okafor. Uh, uh, yeah, Okafor. I forgot yeah. about Raymond Pelton. UConn, right? Yeah. Raymond yeah. was yeah. on that team. Yeah, I remember that UConn. Those teams team sucked. That team was terrible. Yeah. But he's been around. Terrible. He's been around for a minute. The Bobcats logo is also terrible. Everything about the execution of that franchise and rebranding was just awful. It you was, thought it was awful to begin with? Oh, it was terrible. It, it was terrible, but somehow – Somehow they managed to convince the, the people that own the Pelicans to give them the Hornets uh, branding so they can go with this Pelicans nonsense. The Pelicans execution is terrible. Oh, it's yeah. awful. It's it's awful. a it's a bottom five, just total graphic nightmare. I like the color scheme though. Color scheme's good because it's New Orleans. Yeah, it's a, it's but all draw it. themed. I do I I like the concept. I like the idea behind it. But yeah, poor yeah. execution. I mean that that color scheme was so great. The the New Orleans Jazz thought of it forty five years ago. Okay, for a basketball team, so they're not exactly uh, groundbreaking you know, right. new things and and breaking the mold. They went back to what was popular when the Jazz was here. Right, and shit. The Bobcats totally ripped off the Cavs color scheme and the Knicks yeah. color scheme. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't do nothing new. And then the Bobcat yeah. itself was just a god awful like clip art drawing. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. Do you remember their 2011 season? No, I don't remember anything about the Bobcats. <laughs> James knows what I'm talking about. What was it? It was they had less than 10 wins. They had nine wins. They no way. That was the that. that was that was uh, um, the strike shortened season. Yeah, uh, the lockout shortened season. Not won 10 games in a full NBA season. No, but uh, they they I think they could have gotten there. And then they, 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 they would have ended up winning 10 games over 82. And, and on top of it, they made a terrible draft selection in Michael Kidd Gilchrist after that. <sighs> Who was their hot, the hot hand? Was it Jason Capono was the hot hand for them? <laughs> no, it was like a Gerald Henderson. Oh, okay. Have Jason Capono. And they had Kimball Walker on that team too. Oh, my God. Yo, Jason oh. Capono was a cheat code and – Whatever 2K. NBA 2K was out back then. So was Wilson yeah. Chan. So was Wilson Chandler back in the day. Yeah, there's okay, some guys so- that are just unfair good in that game that are just not good in real life. It's Andrew hilarious. Wiggins. Wiggins? You don't think Wiggins is good? No, no. I think Wiggins is good, but I think he was like unfairly good in 2K. Like every time. Oh, okay, I got Every you. time I would love to play as Wiggins in 2K. Yeah, all time whiff by the by the Bobcats in that draft. By the way, they took Michael Kidd Gilchrist over Bradley Beal, <laughs> Damian Willard, Andre Drummond, and I'll stop oh, there because at that point we're at pick number nine. I mean, without hindsight, I know why they picked him is because they won the the championship with Anthony Davis. That was the reason why they picked him, and they thought they wanted it's because of Anthony Davis it had nothing to do with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. But uh, speaking of uh, people that uh, I want nothing to do with on the Cavs, Colin Sexton apparently wants starting guard money. No, no. He's delusional. He's delusional. 
He is. Uh, I'm glad we're all on the same page with this because there are a lot of people out there that are really on the Colin Sexton bandwagon, and I don't quite understand it. No, uh, no. His numbers no. were completely inflamed by being on a dumpster fire of a team, and his usage numbers were absolutely asinine and, and unsustainable. He's he's a guy that just doesn't do much for me. Like it, he's delusional. I'm yeah. so. I've compared him to a glorified Jordan Clarkson before. Glorified Jordan Clarkson? It's a good comparison. No. No? Why not? I think he's more like a Steve Francis. Oh, Steve Francis was good, good. Yeah. Steve Francis was a starting guard. Colin Sexton's not a starting guard. Yeah, yeah. You're saying Stevie yeah. Franchise is better? I think so. I would rather have Steve Francis today than current Colin Sexton, okay? let's Let's be real here. Uh, Colin Sexton's a bench player. He's not a starter. He's a sixth man that shouldn't be running plays. His goal should be just score. And whatever happens, happens. Which means you're not paying him starting guard money. Agreed. Yeah, um, no. I've made this comparison in the past. Um, a lo- kind of along the same lines of what you're thinking, James. I would compare him to the Houston Rockets version of James Harden. Not because I think he's a superstar caliber player like that, but because when he was in Houston, Harden would just stand there and dribble, and the rest of the guys would just stand there on offense and do nothing. It was the same, it's the same way here in Cleveland. When Sexton's in the game, he just stands there and dribbles, and there's no offensive movement. You don't see Jared Allen posting up like, hey, give me the ball, give me the ball. You don't, I didn't see a lot of pick and roll game, like how effective it is with Garland and Allen. Whereas when, like I said, there was no ball movement when Sexton was out there. So I view him as the Houston Rockets version of James Harden. Now, let me be uh, completely honest here. I listened to about half of that because I was too busy writing down. You just compared Colin Sexton to James Harden. What are you doing? Colin yeah. Sexton is not anything like James Harden. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. You just, just said it. You just did. You just literally said it. You literally <laughs> just did. Okay. <laughs> I was talking about their style of play, not their caliber of player. Okay, that's better. Style of play still not. It's not even, not even quite right either, because Colin Sexton is not as good as a three point shooter as Houston James Harden. All right, Colin Sexton is the guard Kevin Martin. Why do we keep picking other players? The answer is fucking Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> it's East Jordan fucking Clarkson. I'm on uh, basketball reference right now about to compare him to Jordan Clarkson. I'll let you know what I get here. <laughs> I think he's better than Jordan Clarkson. You think he's better? Points-wise, yeah. The guy had 24 points. He played for a shit squad and took 8,000 shots per game. He was 44%, 45% field goal. Was he? Yeah, yeah he actually was. Yeah, 2019, 45 per, Yeah, 0.458. How many shots did he need to get there? A lot. He averaged 16.3 field goal attempts. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. And what is your assists? Uh, he averaged. Let's see here. From t- Let's hear this. 
let's see, from 2019 to 2022, his assist numbers are 3.3. That's his average. Wow. 3.3 assists and 20 points. Should he be a point guard? Who? Colin Sexton. No, no, he's not a point guard. <laughs> yeah, he's not. A point guard, not. That's like a shooting guard. And he's like what six two? You can't have a six two short shooting guard. Yeah. Like Allen Iverson. Oh, bruh. Yeah, I just think we have what we need at his position. Like, there's no room to give him any kind of significant money on this team. I just don't understand where he would fit into this current Cavalier squad, to be completely honest, outside of being a sixth man. He doesn't, and I think they have a better sixth man option in Karis LeVert, who's not going to cost as much. Yeah, let's go. I like that, too. Yeah, that's a very good point. We already got a guy that's a a six-man type player. And LeVert Palmer. Yeah, I just don't understand where, like, when you bring him in, think about who he's going to be taking shot attempts away from. And you can honestly say you'd rather have Sexton shooting than than Garland or, or Mobley getting high percentage shots in the paint or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or Chetty Osman. Oh, Chetty God, get Chetty Osman off this team. Yes, <laughs> they, why is he still there? Because he's, because he's got a fun name. He's the last Chetty. Can Isn't we, pack, can we package him and Colin Sexton in the 14th overall pick and, Send them to, I don't know. How about sending them to Washington and seeing if Bra- if the Wizards would take that package for Bradley Beal and Kevin Love? What do you say? No, I didn't say anything about Kevin Love. No, I mean, Kevin Love stays until he retires. He's not. No, Kevin to. Love's contract, James. You got to admit, it's still bad. You, I don't care about how good of a season he had. It's, it's still bad. It's, it's still not a good contract, sure. But I mean, That's if, fair, we're talking, sure. if we're talking hypothetical Cavs trades, and no one's going to want that, so you got to look at something that somebody is going to be like, change the scenery is going to do it for him. So and, and, yeah. he, and he had a good he's season, good. so he's tradable now. Let's get rid of him. He's not tradable. He's Come not. on. Not with that contract. He's not, not. not at his age, not with his contract, not what his role is. If you're looking to trade players off the Cavs, the players you should be focusing are Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, and the 14th overall pick. Not Kevin Love? You package all three of those together, send them to like Detroit for Jeremy Grant or something. Okay. Mm. Jeremy Grant? That's a good option. I got That's a, a good better option than what we're offering up for him. Could get a good, like, and he's a 20 point guy. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. What were you gonna say? I mean, I threw this a trade out to you earlier on a on a sh- different show that we were a part of, but uh, you, I don't think you liked it. But why not try and make a trade with Utah and see if we can bring in Donovan Mitchell? He'll ne- they'll never make that trade. They'll never do that. Doable. I I love Donovan. They would never make that trade. I think Good. that. That starting backcourt would be fantastic. Garland and sure. Mitchell. But it's just not going to happen is the problem. It's not going to happen. Yeah. We've we got to look realistic options. I think. And, and, and that's not – it's a little too far of a stretch. I mean, we got we got to live where, where things are realistic, where it's actually tangible, something that's smart. you got to think how is he going to fit with LeBron when he comes back next year too. Do you LeBron going to come back? Wait a minute, Chirk. Chirk, did you really just say we could trade for Marcus Smart? Yes, I did. He's Are never going to leave Boston. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's a perfect fit there. That He's that's a perfect like, fit for there. But yeah. you know, speaking of things that did happen, the things that are actually real. The new Madden cover came out. It's John Madden. Finally. When's the last time it was? It was not 2000. Yeah, it's been 2000. And if you had the if you had the the N64 version, I don't know about the the PlayStation. This the not the official logo for the game, but the other like the actual cartridge of the disc, there was Barry Sanders behind John Madden on that cover. It's true. But John Madden was the focal point. Yeah. So there, there was a Hall of Fame edition where John Madden was on like Madden 07 Hall of Fame edition or some shit like that. Yeah, I did remember that. But he hasn't been the official Madden cover in, since 2000. Yeah, now, this ends the Madden curse. So. Now, this is well, what we want to know now. Yes, it ends the Madden curse, but does it end the Madden curse in how the EA makes a video game? Well, I just want them to make it good again. I haven't played the game uh, more than five hours in three years because the game's crap. Thank it's you. It's arcade I'm... bullshit where it's focused on big plays and stuff that is um, internet content style. I want my fucking simulation football game back. 2K needs to make a football game. Yes. Yes. Bring it back. I love that. I mean, that's never going to happen. How about just EA makes a better game? Or that. Yeah, that would be the easier alternative. Why not take the game that's been around for 30 years and make it better? Here in EA have the cover of him just after he passes away. I, I hate to say it, the cover is respectful, but I don't know if the game is going to be respectful to him and Madden's going to turn over in his grave. They're about due for a refresh in the game anyways. I mean, they've yeah. been running the same uh, like engine and same features for three, four years now. They should so bring back fight. They're for about the... due for a refresh with they one of their back... new engines or technologies that they throw on there. Should they bring back fight for the fumble? Oh, fuck that. That was terrible. <laughs> Might as well bring back the vision cone, okay? Or, or what about move the the oh, chain? The vision cone is the worst. I vision hate cone it. How about the feature where when you're going to kick the goal, the accuracy meter disappears? Okay. Oh yeah, that? yeah, that's terrible. That you I had to rely on your ability yeah. of timing and not your and just muscle memory to actually make field goals. They should have they should have a, a option where you can. Uh, do you think they should start fights in the game? No, this is no. I don't that's, want any of this like blitz the league NFL crap blitz, in this yeah. game. You want to go play NFL blitz? Go fire up an N sixty four or go in one of those uh, or, those barcades where you can have a drink and go play unlimited video. Or games. how about here's off-screen. an idea? Here's an idea for a, a what is it? A football simulator. Simulate football as accurately as you can, and yes! not fucking game. Crazy. Of, you know what I mean? Like they they always are trying to like create these new things and this and that, and they forget. To just make it realistic, you know what I mean, James. You yeah. mentioned that they care so much about big plays and this and that. It's so true, like that it takes away from the realism of other parts of the game. Like the, there was a time when Madden was like it was about as authentic of a video game experience it, for it any sports game. This is the most authentic game. It's like it's a video game now, it and that's when I played it the most. Is is when it was really accurate to simulation style. Mm-hmm. You know, back yeah. in like two. Why do you have that on you? But you can um, get hundred bucks for that, I bet. Oops, that's I a can what? I, I have mine in a, in a box, like twenty feet away from me. But um, it's in a box. I don't have it readily available. That that's, that's the how mad it should be, baby. But, <laughs> you had to have played that recently if you just pulled it up. You didn't even. I have not played it. it. I, I have not played with that like it's his teddy bear as a comfort <laughs> item. 
Okay. <laughs> That's what he does. He sleeps with it under his pillow. He, 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 he hopes for sweet dreams of NFL 2K's past and hopes that it comes back sometime in the future. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't played it in a few years. Oh, goodness. Wait, you know the last time I played that game, Chirk? 2005, like a normal person. Okay. Wait, you know the game we, is accurate. The point I'm proving to you, James, is this was accurate football. The game was football, but the last truly accurate Madden game was probably like Madden 10 or 11. I agree. Okay. Madden 10 or 11 was also just as well. Like that 9, 10 to 11 was the, the moment in time where I played Madden the most. I, that was I played peak it. Madden. It was peak so, Madden. Those were yeah. that, was, that was when you'd go out at midnight and get the game at midnight before they, before they stopped doing that. Okay. Yeah. That was when you could go and get the game, and live was just a thing. Like you were yeah. just getting popular, playing online, I, and they really I had spent that. So much time, I'd create custom playbooks. I would cater it to certain teams, certain styles. I would have all plays available. So you know, the standard playbooks, two hundred and fifty plays. I made mine for offense and defense, five hundred plays. Okay, I had multiple different styles of shotgun, multiple different styles of pistol. I had trick plays. I had gadget plays. I had weird defensive formations that confused people where I would have a 4-3 defense, but I'd have a defensive end that's really fast, and I'd slide the defensive line over and drop him to play rover linebacker. Got a ton of picks that way. Okay. That's All a right. solid move. That's so, a solid video. Because you know why? Nobody runs the ball online. So you don't get I was an audible that. guy. I'm an audible guy. I always had my preloaded audibles. Audibles, my go-to touchdown play, tray open shotgun, play action wide receiver in. You have you have the one receiver go in on a post, the other eye goes around. He's gonna be wide open if the safety goes into the middle of the field. If he goes outside, the guy across the middle is wide open. It's a touchdown guaranteed every single time. I ran that play so much that at one point in 10 or 11, I was ranked in the top 10% of Xbox players in the world. That's okay. beastly. That's yeah. beastly. And you need to make the game like to hear how excited you were talked about that. Like it used to be that good though. Like it, it really did. It did. It, it did. I, I think probably yeah. like the last good one I can remember was uh the one with Adrian Peterson on the cover. Oh, Madden 13? Madden uh 25. Oh, it's like 13 or 14 or whatever when they called it 25 for the next gen consoles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah, that was for the 2013 season. And but, you think you know, I should put that in my pillow, James? The last, last, yes, you do. The last playable <laughs> version of that game was really 17 or 18. Because yeah. after that, they overhauled it, and it just it wasn't wasn't playable anymore. Mm-hmm. Brian, the the way he got that game is he put his he put his tooth under the pillow, and he got it from the tooth fairy. That's hilarious. Uh, Not the Brady. Uh, Not the Brady. Just Brady. Oh, let's see. Madden. Let's see. Brian, do you even remember that game I played? Which game? 2K5. No, I don't. I'm saying, like, whatever 2K team makes the NBA game needs to make the NFL game. They need to bring it back. 18 was the last playable one. That was the last playable one was Madden 18 with Tom Brady Code Edition version. Okay. I agree. That was the last playable one. That's before they did all this stupid shit that they had back in 07, like X Factor, and they have all this other crap, okay? Who remembers when Madden had the smart QB or lockdown defender, cannon arm quarterback? 
like that was terrible yeah that that's the shit that's like for like rpg games and stuff like it, it's I, a football simulator we don't need all that like I, I, exactly I that. like i i it's ran my ragdoll physics too to near perfection it, up to 20 the madden 18 game then they changed it and it sucks and and don't forget about that rag those ragdoll physics they're really bad Oh, okay. The, the the one thing I will remember is when they had uh, the one Browns linebacker and he showed up this big on the screen. Christian Kirksey. Yeah, Kirksey. They nicknamed Kirksey. him the Tiny Titan. And there was a challenge where you had to get tackles with five five inch tall Christian Kirksey. Okay. That's <laughs> Tiny Titan. Yeah. Because uh, someone was playing the Madden Ultimate Team game mode as the Titans that had Christian Kirksey, but it glitched to make him a foot tall. That's hysterical. I love That's- that. Really funny. So should we bring first person football back? Oh no, that's terrible. Let's let's keep going because we, we got some actual football discussion to get to here. Yeah, there we uh, go. You think that that's what my Brady, speaking of his current team, the Bucks, they signed Akeem Hicks to a deal that's worth up to ten million dollars. Uh Akeem Hicks is a really good player, he's been you know uh, a very productive player in Chicago. He is getting a little bit older now, but uh, this is going to impact the way they construct their team and the status of a current free agent defensive tackle. Dominican Sue. And Dominican Sue. Because he had apparently was down to two teams prior to the signing, and that was the, the Bucks and the Raiders, because the Browns have apparently backed off their pursuit. But I wonder if the Browns are going to re up their pursuit now that another team's off the table. Yeah, uh, I I would think so. It has to change things a little bit, you know. I would agree. I would agree. Make you got to do something. That that guard, because the defensive interior is just bad. And, and there are a lot of people trying to pretend they're smarter than everyone else, being like, why is everyone pretending defensive tackle is an issue? It's been an issue for years. You've just ignored it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they, they're like, oh, well, we're just a pass rush team, da 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 And it's like, well, you can't. you gotta, you got to be a run defending team as well. It, it, it's not even about run defending for me. It's about interior pass rush. Disrupt the That's pocket. Yeah. Disrupt the timing. Make the quarterback uncomfortable. Okay? Yeah. If the quarterback I can do a three-five-step drop and not have to worry every single time because no one's pressuring up the middle, then you got a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. There were too many times last season where the quarterback would just stand there and it's like, okay, the quarterback can – Get a massage. He can drink a pina colada. And- Is like the controller oh, broken? Gosh, the quarterback can get a massage. You perv. Was ugh. was was the controller broken for that? Con- for that? Okay, I re- I immediately regret saying that. That's the worst choice of words you could have ever had, right there. But go on. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the quarterbacks could they could step up in the pocket against us. We see that all the time. It's just they yep. step up in the pocket and let let them fly right by you. It's like hitting air brakes in Top Gun. Either that that or there was no pass rush, and they could just stand there and, you know, read a book and drink some cola. That's why uh, Ryan's version of Indomitian Sioux was so good. That's why current Aaron Donald is so good. They're able to disrupt plays from the middle. If you can disrupt the play from the middle, you completely destroy what the offense is trying to do. Mm-hmm. You dis you disrupt timing. You make the quarterback uncomfortable, and if it's even if it's a run play, you can make a guy block a certain area that he wasn't supposed to be blocking. You can make a guy make a decision to try and block you, which leaves somebody else behind you free to make a tackle or free to make a play. 
exactly. And it takes a lot of the pressure off of uh, Garrett and, and uh, Clowney. Right. Yeah. You're interior guy that can rush too. You, you can you can experiment. You can do different different uh, stunts and whatnot when you have a guy in the interior that can rush like that. So it's it's really valuable. And, you know, last year we saw them run out the fucking Malik's, and that was a disaster. Those right. two were terrible. Okay. Right. And then we got, you know, I know Tommy Togiai was a rookie last year, and he had rookie growing pains. Jordan Elliott, I think, is he is what it is, unless he does something that I don't think anyone foresees coming. Right. And, uh, yeah, some other guys like Sheldon Day, like, who cares? Yeah. That's, you know, insert Mike Francesa, who cares, after Stan Lee died. Uh, who cares? Sheldon Day, who cares? Okay. Right. Get me a defensive tackle. Yeah, get us at least one. Uh, th- there was a huge drop-off going from Sheldon Richardson and Larry Joby to the Maliks, and uh, I don't think enough people uh, really understand or are willing to understand because of some bullshit group think that they think everyone else has fallen into, but then themselves aren't already. People get spoiled by the success of Miles Garrett, too, you know, and, yeah. think that, and it's yep. like... He could do better even if, if we have he, someone on the interior that can pressure. You know what I mean? So it's like – We forgot about Tavon Bryant. Why I'm having a great guy. You have to have a, a whole unit as a defensive line. And Tavon that's not what we have stinks. right now. Um, <clears throat> Tavon Bryant stinks, number one. Number two, the interior pass rush is so important with guys like Garrett, guys like Clowney, because guess what? They're going to get flushed to those guys. They're going to get flushed to the outside to make easier tackles and easier sacks for Clowney and Garrett. Right. And also, like we saw it when we played the Ravens on Sunday night. What did Baltimore do most of the time? They, When they ran the ball, they went right at Miles Garrett. Well, it's because Miles Garrett's not a good run defender. Exactly. Great pass rusher, not a good run defender. That's my point, though. Yeah. He's not a good run defender. I mean, that's why we got Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich is a part-time role-player pass rusher. I imagine they'll they'll kick in Clowney to defensive tackle and have Winovich be a, a pass rusher on third and longs. Yeah. That's why I imagine that they'll do. I would If I had to guess, you're probably right on that one. I mean, I would love for them to, to bring in Sue so Sue and Clowney can both be defensive tackle at the same time and just completely fuck up the center of the offensive line because those two specialize in chaos. I like your way of thinking. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. But uh, let's talk about uh, moves the Browns have made, not moves, moves I want them to make. I, I, I know you don't like this move, James. I hate this move. They extended David Njoku. Um, you are yeah, so I'm wondering why they did this. Uh, and Joku apparently wasn't going to come to voluntary OTAs without a new deal. But, like, this is such a bad contract. This is terrible. I don't think it's bad. I think it's it's awful. He's the fifth highest paid tight end by average annual value over the life of this contract. The only saving grace this contract has is that half the money isn't guaranteed. So when they cut them after year three, they're not going to be holding the bag with like $15 million that they owe. Okay. I mean, last season he had 475 yards. Who gives a shit? Who gives and, a shit? And four he touchdowns. Had his best year in 2018 and hasn't come close since. Yeah, sure. That's when he came close. 
Jared. No, he's not close. Jared. Yeah, they, they, they had they, four they, touchdowns then, and he has four touchdowns last season. Big deal. Who cares? I don't give a shit about. I'm looking at what I'm looking at receptions. I'm looking at yards. I'm looking at yards per reception. Sure, his yards per reception went up, but let's be real here. You take out some of the. I see your dog, Brian. Um, <laughs> but you take out like this one long run, you know, catch and run that he had that was really long. His numbers drop off big time. We talking about Njoku? Yep. Yeah. How do you feel about the move? Yeah, I mean, the tight end market, it kind of demands that you pay guys that kind of money now, but I I just don't get it with him. It's like, what are we waiting for? It's it's like we keep talking about how high his ceiling is. He's been in the league for five friggin' years. Like, when is he going to get there? When is he going to peak? Because it was like that question. he didn't even have a, a 500 yards last year. Like, he, he wasn't that last year. He had four touchdowns. So what? What's sure. that going to do? That's not going to sure. win you a Super Bowl. Yeah, four touchdowns doesn't do shit. As opposed to a guy like Travis Kelsey, who leads the league in receiving yards since 2017. Like, there are tight ends who are different makers, and then there are tight ends. He's exactly. not a difference maker. He's not a Kelsey. He's not, you know, one of these other big dudes that are just having ridiculous numbers. I mean, um, why does he have the contract he has? Because they're, they have some – Infatuation with David and Joku that I cannot figure out. Okay, he was the first round pick. Years, who cares if he, where he's picked? Okay, here's the deal. Coming in, coming in as a draft pick, he was a raw player who needed development and he needed a lot of refinement. Five years in, he's a raw player who is in need of development and is in need of refinement. He's the same player now that he was five years ago. Okay? Yeah, That's, that was my. We're talking about a guy who averages. 2.3 receptions for 27 yards a game. What are we doing? He has, what are we he doing? has a better, better chance of him having less than 20, something ridiculous. It was like he has better odds of having less than 21 yards than he does of having 21 or more. Like 37 more. games, 20 or less receiving yards, 28 of 21 or more. Wow. wow. That's incredibly bad. So why – So you think this is a bad deal? This yeah. is an awful contract. This is terrible. Yeah, it's, I think it's bad. It's it's not just bad. It's awful. It's terrible. It's whatever word you want to use. He's you, not Kittle. He's not Kelsey. He's not. Did you, know, you fear over this, James? You you had some fears about him getting the contract. I, I was I was worried they were going to do something stupid, and they went out and did something stupid. What the hell like, are you doing? He's he, a homer. So what? That shouldn't he's, make a difference, Chirk. Like, he's not good. Like, I'm sorry. Like I think he's not. He's incredibly Chirk. average. Chirk, when when we did have Austin Hooper here, I'm pretty sure Njoku was third on the depth chart. Yeah, he, he was, was second. He was second. But um, that's why he wasn't doing too well. He needs more, more time. He, he's been the starter. He's had years where he's gotten – a lot of the snap counts, okay? And he still didn't do anything that warrants anything close to this type of contract. Right. I mean, in his mind, I think he deserves it. Well, of course. Well, yeah. Of course. I also think that I'm, I'm, I deserve infinite money and the ability to do whatever the hell I want. That doesn't mean that I'm going to get that. <laughs> this show is better than that god-awful Ultimate Cleveland Sports show. But here we are. Not yeah, everything's there. 
Just he, not everything's fair is the point. He played 64% of the snaps in 2021. And what did he give us? 36 catches, 470 yards, 475, and four touchdowns. Those are running back receiving numbers. Yeah. That, that's Those what you are. You think Duke Johnson would be better than him? He's, he's the tight end version of Duke Johnson. He was the best yeah. guy in a team that was dog shit, so everyone thinks he's better than he actually is. This happens across every sport, across every team. There's a guy who's marginally better than everybody else, and he looks like a competent player. Who remembers Brian LaHare on the Cubs? Everybody yeah. thought he was good. He sucked, okay? Yeah, he was terrible. Or, or how about uh, – or, yeah, would you put Rudy Gay on there? Sure. Okay. Here, I'll give you a guy who had comparable numbers in 2019 with Deshaun Watson as his quarterback, by the way. 34 receptions, 341 yards, seven touchdowns. Do you know who this is? Hmm. I gave you the year. I gave you who was quarterback. So it's Patrick Houston. 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 Tight end for the Texans, 2019, Deshaun Watson. Quarterback. I'll give you a hint. He played for the Browns the year before, and everybody bitched that he went to Houston. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Gary Barnage. Not Gary Barnage. I'm talking about Darren fucking Fells. Okay? Darren Fells, Darren Fells more touchdowns than David Njoku, but you going to tell me he's better than David Njoku? He's no. not, by the way. But he's very forgettable, okay? He's very relatively unproductive. These are very comparable numbers if you're looking at the same thing, but he has more touchdowns than a little less receiving yards. Yeah. It, people fall in love with guys like Njoku, too, because he's such a freak in the gym. You know what I mean? Like, he's just an absolute specimen of a human. He's uber strong, you know, but he just, he's just not – that good at the position is, you know, is he a good athlete? Yeah, he's a free. Could he switch to receiver, you think? He no. can't catch, so why are we doing this? He, he's yeah. not a refined route runner. He doesn't have good skills when it comes to uh, actually he getting to the ball. ball. He, he, he dropped he, balls he, in crucial moments, too. His drop numbers have tailed off the past couple of years, but however, that is in that you know corresponds with a lack of targets as well. So mm. take that for what it's worth. But here's what I will tell you. If you watch him make catches, he's not doing it what's known as probably the right way. What he's ended up doing is he's using his body effectively boxing out smaller guys, which it works, but that's not what good tight ends do. Right. Yeah, I agree. He's not good. He's average. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a physical freak who plays tight end, but he's not good at playing tight end. They want him to be Antonio Gates so bad, but he's not. And he's he's fine. He's fine. He's average. He's average on a good day. I think uh, what would have been worse if we would have signed Hollywood Higgins to a big one or this? Uh, there was never any chance that Hollywood Higgins was going to get a big contract, despite some buffoons on the internet projecting he was going to get fifteen million a year prior <laughs> to last season. Okay, because by the way, that happened. P.S. Uh, <laughs> you're a moron. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's what that is. But um, <clears throat> hey, I, and Joker was just this is what it is. I, I don't think he's good. I, I think they cut him after year three of the deal. 
uh, contract is going to work out. I think this is this contract is going to age like milk out in the hot sun. Would you say this is a meme? <laughs> was this a memeable contract? Listen, when the guy that runs a website called Over the Cap tweets out, "This is a horrible contract for the Browns," and his entire life is spent analyzing contracts, you got a problem. That's okay? a red flag right there. Especially when you know that particular site is used by a lot of people that do nothing but pump up the Browns. Okay, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of it's an echo chamber, really. Is what it is. You see, yeah. your dog hates the contract too. <laughs> see, <laughs> no, he said, "Here we go, brownies." Woof, woof. No, he most certainly did not. That was this contract sucks. Is what that was. That dog. <laughs> that dog did say that. I I mean, let's look at Njoku. His fifth-year option, they paid him $6 million overpaid. Uh, he was projected to make $10 million on the franchise tag. That would have been overpaid, okay? This contract is massive overpay. I don't get what the infatuation with this guy is. He's he's athletic, but he can't do anything good. I mean, he can... He can... What can he, he can do what? He can get about 475 yards. Okay, you're not you're not, not supposed to be paying top dollar for 425 yards. <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. The tight end market is changing rapidly, so like you, the guys are going to continue to get more money than this even. So I I think it it'll end up looking slightly better just because of how much other guys are going to make in front of him. But yeah, I, at the end of the day, it's completely overvalued him and the. This idea that, you know, he hasn't reached a ceiling yet. It's like, well, when the hell are you going to reach it? Because five years is a lifetime in the NFL. It's not right. MLB. It's not the NBA. Five years is a lifetime. I, I mean, mean, he's the only – The average player makes it, what, two and a half, three years in the league. So, uh-huh. you know, if he's not doing it now, when is it going to happen? And there is the argument, well, look at who his quarterback's been. So that's fair. You know, will he do better with, you know, Watson? Maybe, but – we also don't know if he's going to play this year. So, like, it's just like, eh, I don't know. It's and here's what bad. I come – here's what I always come back to when it talks about players who are good who have bad quarterback situations. They still find a way to be productive. They still yeah. they still manage a way to put up numbers. Look at all the bullshit DeAndre Hopkins had before Deshaun Watson. Look at Calvin Johnson in Detroit. Fuck. Look at current TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. Okay. Good players still get numbers. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I need to say, Joker didn't get numbers. He got six hundred yards. Who gives a shit? <laughs> okay. Look at Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona had a, a quarterback list that was that's near worthy of the Browns jersey that was down in the fucking uh, Brokaw Inc. down by the stadium. Okay. How would, how would Larry analyze this team? What do you say? I don't know how Larry would analyze the team, but I'm telling you that he had some of the worst quarterback situations that I can remember. Going Matt Liner, Matt Matt, Matt Liner, Derek uh, Anderson. Drew Stanton, uh, Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson wasn't there too. Yeah, Carson Palmer. Uh, Carson Palmer was good. Carson Palmer was fine in Arizona, but like those guys weren't any good. Carson Palmer was good. Besides Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner, he had dog shit. Okay, but he still put up numbers. That's my but point. Look at Kyle Pitts. 
in Atlanta, like, I, yeah, he had Matt Ryan, but I mean, he's not the Matt Ryan he once was. He put up over a thousand yards in his rookie year. It didn't take him five yeah. years. What, what, no. Seeing a contract like this for Ninjoku, I bet he's going to ask for a hundred million. Who? Pitts? Al Pitts? Yeah, I would. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Back when you saw no. this for for not a good, for not that good of a tight end, I'm expecting a lot of money. I mean, look at some of the number, the tight ends that are in front of him last season. It's ridiculous. Gerald Everett of Seattle, uh, Tyler Higby of the Rams, blah, blah, blah. Tyler Conklin, Minnesota, Cole Komet, Chicago, like all of these guys that like rate in the 70s that still had way more productive seasons than him. Okay, we're going to play a fun game. It's compare Kyle Pitts' rookie season to David Njoku's career. Okay. <laughs> Uh, David Njoku's career, 77, I'm sorry, 148 receptions, 1,754 yards, 15 touchdowns in five seasons, also known as 65 games. Kyle Pitts is a rookie, 68 receptions, 1,026 yards, and one touchdown in 17 games. Oh, my God. That is a tight end worth paying. The guy that got, uh, I don't know, more than half of his career receiving yards in David Njoku in a season, nearly half of his career receptions. Sure, he's got some work to go in the in the touchdown department, but the Falcons were a dumpster fire. So mm-hmm. he'll improve in that area. But looking at this, well, he's on he's on pace to eclipse David Njoku's career receiving yards by the middle of not this season, the next season. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> three years. Not even three years. years. That's a real eye opener. You gotta look at the numbers. That's the first round tight end you pay. Yeah. What did we sacrifice in paying Njoku? Like, did we go over the cap for him? Uh, we didn't go over the cap, but flexibility moving forward. Yep. Uh, Potentially adding a quality wide receiver, not necessarily now, but also next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, they'll have some flexibility when they inevitably cut Armari Cooper after the season because that's that's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you look at that uh, adding. Some quality pieces on defense, okay. Defensive tackles, okay. Uh, retaining some of the guys on your offensive line that was another thing. I mean, JC Treader's gone, yeah. There's a lot of other ways that this money could have been spent the, for the, the team. The ripple effect it has not just now, but in years in years moving forward, it's gonna have a, it's gonna have an impact because they have multiple contracts all structured in this same way that. It's going to all come together at one point, and you're going to get in a, a squeeze. You're going to get in a bubble, and you're going to be looking at a situation where you have to prioritize one player over another, and it's all because you signed a stupid contract for someone you shouldn't have. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, look at the money that these wide receivers are getting too, you know? And if we want to get an eventual number one receiver, because I think we all agree that Amari's not number one receiver, you know? Uh, we do. If you want to have money to do that and you're giving a tight end like Njoku this kind of money, it's like, you know, you could have used some of that money to go out and get a guy. And now you mm-hmm. can't, you know, now that money's tied up. So good luck finding a receiver now. You know, it's, it's that's the problem with this deal. It's not necessarily how it affects us right in this moment, but moving forward, it, it does that we have zero flexibility now. Yeah, and not that I think it's going to happen, but let's say somehow uh, DK Metcalf becomes a free agent or you trade for him on the condition that he gets a contract extension, okay? You can't do that right now. 
Mm-hmm. No, you can't. You, 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 you really can't. Okay. Tell me you wouldn't rather have DK Metcalf than David and Joku. I would. I would. DK Metcalf. You know what I mean? Uh, I, would, I would rather have Debo Samuel than David Njoku. But guess who's not available to the Browns? De- Debo Samuel. What, what are you going to do when you see Njoku say, I deserved all this money. I'm grateful that I got this. I don't care what he says. Yeah, I mean, good for him. It's not – I have nothing Congratulations, to David Njoku. You got a payday. Uh, you guaranteed yourself never have to work past your playing days. Mm-hmm. But I hate well, to it right. What? As long as you spend it right. And invest it right. I mean, investing is probably not the best m- move to go with right now, but yeah, uh, rough time to be an investor. <laughs> very rough time. Yeah. Um, but you know, speaking of possible receiving targets that the Browns could have had, they're they're not in on either Will Fuller or T.Y. Hilton, by the way. Um, Why? That's I mean, T.Y. Hilton was never going to come here, number one. But yeah. it, 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 the, as far as Will Fuller is concerned, it's okay, fine, whatever. Uh, I think people overhyped the the connection with him and Watson too much, okay? <laughs> I, I really do. But Fuller, it, he gets hurt a lot. Sportsinjuryprediction.com, 95% chance of injury. Yeah. It, it, his, his list of uh, injuries, you have to scroll multiple times to get through all of them. That's not good. The dude gets hurt all the time. Okay. He's somehow sustained more injuries in his couple years that he's played than Jadavian Clowney has in his longer career. Damn. Clowney gets hurt a lot too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, best best ability is availability, and that's something that you're taking a chance on when you go out and get a guy like that. So Yeah. It it begs the question, what – is this receiving core going to look like this season? You know, is it going to be enough to, to go out there and win an AFC North? Uh, it doesn't look like it to me right now. I, to be honest. I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think they have, I think they have some guys that they can hope develop, hope progress. Um, but uh, I, I think Don Peoples Jones is what he is. I think he's a fourth receiver type. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Anthony Schwartz was a complete whiff. That was a whiff. Yeah, he's. I think, I think he was a whiff. Maybe that's unfair after just one year. It probably is, but I think it was a whiff. Uh, you know, I, I really like David Bell and what he he brings to the table, but I, I really he's not a one or a two, and he's not a slot. So you right. end up at another receiver that's like DPJ. And you know, as they say in the journalism world, uh, Department of Redundancy Department. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want that. Yep. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you don't want that. So mm, you're in this kind of weird spot. Like Jaheim Grant, interesting, sure. But, uh, you know, Amari Cooper is what he is, I think. He, he's not mm. a number one, but he's he's more of a number two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That it really worries me. They're really banking on Chubb and just being absolutely dominant again, which is you can't, you can't bank on running backs to – continue success in this league no way you're 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 right you can't and i think a lot of this is they're they're baking on players who don't have that star quality at the receiver position producing with a much improved quarterback situation okay which is a fair it's a fair assumption to make honestly Mm. They, they try the opposite superstar players superstar type receivers and improved receiving targets for baker mayfield and it didn't work yeah no try the opposite Get the get the star quarterback. 
get some pretty good options at receiver if everything works out the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and hope he brings out the most of them. Yeah, he's yeah. going to have to because th- this it's not a very deep unit. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, like a guy like David Bell can come in and just shock everybody and be you know yeah. ready to to step into his role. But as of right now, I don't know. I'm not not feeling all too optimistic about this offense. Yeah, so either think, uh, Harrison Bryant is better than Njoku. Sorry, go. I do think Harrison Bryant is going to be a better tight end when his career is over than David Njoku because you know what Harrison Bryant does? He blocks. He does block. That's true. He's a former offensive lineman turned into a tight end, and he won the John Mackey Award, the only non-Power 5 school tight end to do it. Yeah, that's impressive. He's an athlete, too. He's a, he's an athlete, too. So mm-hmm. we, we've Harrison got Bryant's really good. I, I think a lot of people have discounted Harrison Bryant through his first two years. I've been high on Harrison Bryant since he was drafted. Yeah. Um, to Brian's point about, like, banking too much on Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt if he's still here and Dearness Johnson if he's still here. Teams are going to be like, okay, yeah, you have an improved quarterback, but we know you like to run the ball first. So guess what? Let's see if Deshaun Watson can go out and beat us. We're going to load the box, not allow you to run the ball, and let's see if Deshaun Watson can beat us. It's the same thing the Ravens. It's exactly what the Ravens did to us in the Sunday night football game last year. Granted, that was Baker Mayfield, that's quarterback, but it's the same concept. But here's the thing. I think the offense is going to lean away from the run a bit, okay, because they have a better quarterback. They don't need to generate certain things and put the quarterback in exactly, precisely perfect position to perform, okay? Try saying that five times fast. Okay, but uh, you you don't need everything to work out perfectly for Deshaun Watson to be a productive quarterback. That's the difference, is that Baker Mayfield had to be put in precision spots and able to hit his marks. And even then, he still wasn't able to do it a lot of times. Deshaun Watson, we've seen him do what he could do. He's a better quarterback. He's more athletic. And they're going to be able to do things with Watson as their quarterback that they couldn't do with Baker. And that's going to make a huge difference. I do agree with you on that one. I I don't disagree with anything you said. In fact, I agree with you, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think teams are still going to be like, okay, we know you have an improved quarterback that has a better skill set, but we know you're still going to rely on the run game. So let's the see what you The run game is going to be an important and a key facet of their offense. They're going to rely upon it. They're going to utilize it in a manner that allows it to be productive because they have a quarterback now that can throw – Teams can't load up the box like they did before. You can't do that now. Okay. It's just that that's a way to lose. That's a way to get carved up on three yard slant patterns down the field. Okay. That's a way to get carved up by one guy making a guy miss and being open 30 yards downfield. And guess what? This quarterback can actually hit that guy. Okay. You can't do that anymore with this quarterback. You can't do that with the changes they're going to be making to their offense because they have the better quarterback. How drastic of changes do you think the offense is going to go through this season? Let me ask you that. I think it's going to be uh, – I'm not going to say fully drastic, like complete scheme change or whatever, but we saw them attempt to run more, uh, I guess, high-volume passing concepts, and Baker Mayfield failed miserably, okay, as expected, to be honest with you. I think you're going to see them run those similar concepts, you know, five-wide, four-wide, with, uh, you know, uh, a tight end or, you know, four wide 
uh, with a running back in the backfield, but I think they'll actually be successful this time. Okay. I think they'll yeah. be able to do that on, on a more consistent basis instead of loading up in, in jumbo power formation, like it's 1965 and nobody can run faster than a five second 40. Okay. Yeah. So, we need to modernize quite a bit. We're very limited by the ability of a certain quarterback that happened to be at the helm for the past couple of years. Say his name. I already threw him the bus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Voldemort. Yeah. I didn't know really <laughs> I had to say Voldemort here. I, I was going to go with you who must not be named. But, yeah, I, it, it's it's going to be a lot different moving forward, but it, I, we still don't know who the starter is going to be on day one. We don't know how long, you know, that situation is going to play out. So, I don't know. I just – I have a lot of fears about this offense this season in particular. And I, I'm just not as – pumped up and as high on this Browns team as a lot of people are right now. I'll put it that way. That's a fair uh, way to look at it, Brian. And I totally understand it because who knows, maybe, maybe Deshaun Watson does get suspended for the first 10 games of the season or uh, whatever. And meaning Jacoby Brissett's at the controls. They, sure. They have similar skill sets, but they're obviously not the same quarterback. There's, the talent drop off right. uh, between the two. So yeah, the offense is going to look very diff. Well, I shouldn't say very different, but the offense will look different be- even between the two. Um, it's night and day because a guy like Watson, like he'll make, he'll make Amari Cooper better. He'll make mm-hmm. David Njoku better. Like that, that's the value of bringing in a guy like Deshaun. And when you're in that holdover period between when he plays and, and when he doesn't, it's, you know, Brissett's not going to make those guys better. I'm not saying he's bad or anything like that, but he's, he's not going to make those guys, you know, more valuable in any way, in my opinion. They're going to be who they are with him as a star, as, at, at the starting quarterback position. For all you know, he could have a breakout year. He could. I mean, anything's possible. I will give you that. Um, but as of right now, I just think that it's a really long shot to win the division. If it wasn't such a weird year for the AFC North, I'd be really worried. But I, I'm not particularly fearful of the Steelers with Big Ben being gone. And we really don't know what we're going to get from Lamar Jackson this year. And I think the Bengals- I think Baltimore has to be the favorite. I think, I think the Bengals are going to have a Super Bowl hangover and fall off. Yeah, they're not going to sustain that level of success, in my opinion. They're even if they won it, offense than we do. That's for damn sure. Um, even if they won it, I don't even think they would have. Yeah, I just feel like our our record's going to be very similar to what it was last year, in my opinion. I think we can make a wild card appearance. Maybe, maybe, but maybe. Uh, um, what I'll say is a lot of it's dependent on Watson's availability. Um, mm there was a 23rd person who decided to file a lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. I so, believe the 24th now as well, James. Is there another one? Yeah, really? One not two, I think. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to. I'll have I'm to looking right now to verify that, but I'm pretty sure I heard another. There was a 23rd one that filed yesterday. Um, okay. So I imagine it's going to impact somewhat. I don't know. There already that high volume of, of, civil lawsuits against Watson, 22 to 23. I don't know how much can impact the NFL's uh, disciplinary policies. Uh, ah, not saying that it shouldn't. Here but. it is. Yeah, from SI.com. Deshaun Watson faces yet another 
Uh, now the total total is up to 24. Oh, another one. Oh, great. Now I got to delete some stuff. Uh, I had scheduled tweets of something I wrote earlier. I got to delete those now because it had 23 mentioned, but now there's 24. I, I don't know. I got to do something. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a little bit of an effect from the, the HBO special, and, and I think that they're starting to realize that in all likelihood this is going to get settled outside of court. Um, and I think that that probably gave some people who maybe didn't want to go through the publicity of a trial the courage to step forward and, and make their claims too. So, you know, it, obviously innocent till proven guilty, but the situation just continues to get worse at the moment and not better. And for that reason, I'm just like really pumping the brakes on this Browns team right now. Yeah. I mean, for, for what it's worth, I do think Jacoby Brissett's better than any quarterback that was in the Browns last year. I agree. Um, you think he's I better agree. than yeah, yeah. I think he's better yeah. than Baker. <laughs> Did I stutter? Um, but <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, he had but a decent Colts too. Brissett, when he looked really good, he, mm-hmm. he had some time I, I, where he looked okay. Yeah, he's better than than Baker or Case Keenum or whoever the hell they had play besides those two over the past. They brought in Josh Dobbs too, I believe. So yeah, now yeah. Dobbs. So, so you know, I, I look at I look at that. I'm, I'm more comfortable with with going from Watson to Brissett than I ever was really with everything last year. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I agree there. I, I think they definitely upgraded the backup quarterback position as well as the starting position. For- you, you think he's better than Keenum Magic? Yes, yeah. he's better than yeah, There is no magic in Case Keenum, brother. But it, here's what I'll say. You have to see I'll it. give you Luka Magic, but I will not give you Keenum Magic. No I – yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Brian, if I tried. <laughs> What's wrong with Keenan uh, Magic? He's, he's average. But here's what I'll say. If Deshaun Watson's suspended for less than half of the season, I think the Browns can make the postseason. If it's anything half or more, they miss the playoffs. I agree. I agree. I agree. The reason I, I said I that I don't think they make the playoffs uh, to begin with is because I do anticipate it being at least eight games. So I, I, I don't think – if it's eight even, I would say. I'll even go lower than ten and say eight. And, and um, you know, I, I look at the Browns' schedule when I say that, and they play enough lowly opponents during the first half of the season that they could, they could hold their heads above water. Yeah. You know, I'm not worried about the Panthers or Jets or really the Falcons, okay? Those are, those are three of their first – Eight games. Yeah, that's kind. That is kind to us. You don't know what the Steelers are going to be. You don't know if the Patriots can keep up what they did last year. You don't know what the Ravens are going to be. And you don't know what the Bengals are going to be. There's so many toss-ups in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's As far as softest schedules go, that's a fairly soft schedule for a team potentially facing playing the first half of their season without their starting quarterback. Right. Couldn't have worked out much better, to be completely honest. It really couldn't have. By the way, I when I made my schedule prediction, I got the home opener dead on. I said it was going to be against the Jets, and it is. So, pat on got the back. The wrong, but... Yes, I got week one wrong, but I'll take the home opener being per- dead on. Yeah, one out of 17 ain't bad, my friend. Yay! <laughs> hey, <laughs> Brian, as you like to tell me from time to time, a win is a win anytime you can get it. Absolutely. You always take your victory laps. Uh, but your batting average is 
0.058 right now. So don't. So that falls into the the Pyrrhic victory category, not the not the you know the big big victories that you actually want. Hey, did I was I like over celebrate? No. No, you weren't. <laughs> anyway, I like that you had to think about that for a minute. All right, let's move on to baseball. Okay, we got 15 minutes, to, 12 minutes to talk baseball. Uh, player of the week, Jose Ramirez. Hey, well earned. In the American League, he got the Barry Bonds treatment yesterday. He got intentionally walked twice. Yeah, and and to, just to emphasize like how big that was, the Guardians hadn't been intentionally walked all year. Anybody on the team until yesterday, and he got it twice. So and then he got a traditional walk later in the game too. Right. So like that there, he, he earned that player of the week. And yesterday was an indication of how hot he's been because they were just completely avoiding him at all costs. And, uh, you know, wisely so it didn't pay off for them, but at the end of the day, he has been that hot and that good for the guardians and in the biggest moments too, just time and time again, you know, two outs men on base, like no matter the situation, it's, he has been inevitable for us this year. And when you have a team that's as young as we are, uh, you can't overstate how valuable it is to have your best player being playing, playing his best ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, the Guardians have a nice little stretch of games this week because they're on the verge of sweeping the Royals in this three-game series. And then they go on the road and they play Baltimore. That's a winnable series, so maybe they can get above 500. Obviously, I'm not going to go out and say they're going to make the playoffs or anything, but, hey, they can get above 500 this week. That's something to, that maybe we weren't necessarily expecting. Well, the World Series sucks, so we, we do have the benefit of playing in the shit division. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So World Series? No, no, not no. World Series. No, but no. Get, get, we can, they can get to five hundred. Okay, yeah. give me, give me the five hundred. I'll be, I'll be happy. Okay, they're, they're playing soft opponents. They're playing the Royals. They're playing the Orioles. Okay, beat those teams. Beat World those teams. teams are supposed to beat. That's that's what you got to start to do. We've been, we started the year real streaky, and it's kind of leveled out, and now it's it's ready to find their level. You know, see what, yeah. see what, what of this has been sustainable and what won't be, but um we're hitting a hell of a lot better than we anticipated going into the season. And that gives me reason to be hopeful that maybe they can be a 500 team at towards the end of the season. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So for, since you two are more of the baseball experts on this show, I have a legitimate question for you. How come we're not seeing a lot of pitchers go beyond starting pitchers, I should say, go beyond the seventh inning. It feels like, when you get into the seventh inning, basically every team now is taking out their starting pitcher and going to their bullpen. So how come we're not seeing a lot of pitchers go deep into the ball game, getting complete games? Well, the the complete game has gone out of style probably about ten years ago. A long time ago, yeah. And complete games are a rarity now. Okay, the closest thing you got to complete games on a regular basis was last year during the Mickey Mouse doubleheaders. Yeah, okay? exactly. Uh, but it, it all comes down to pitch count. It comes down to, I guess, maximizing pitch value, maximizing efficiency. Because there's a certain point in each pitcher's uh, outing where the the ball drops in velocity, it drops in spin rate, it drops in break, and they, they suddenly just they don't have it. 
whether that's command, whether that's control, whether that's, um, you know, just overall feel. Yeah. So it, that's why we've seen this over the past decade. It's, it's the infusion of advanced data, which has altered the game. And that's, that's fine. It's not fun for fans to hear, but when the teams are looking to win, they're going to look to, to maximize their chances to do so. Right. So um, that's why you see pitchers only going five, six innings. Yeah. Sometimes less than that. And Josh, to, to your point that this year, even more so, we had the shortened spring, you know, there was the, the layoff, right. work stoppage, whatever you want to call it. That has a, a whole hell of a lot to do with it. We're still only a quarter of the way into the season. Um, so I think you're going to see more and more guys start to go longer. Um, so it, it will level out a little bit, but James is hundred percent correct. Like the, the complete game is a thing in the past. Like it, it's, you just don't see it a lot anymore. Now you're allowed to keep more guys in the bullpen. Now that has something to do with it too. Um, mm-hmm. And like James said, you know, it's, there's so much data that's been infused into the game that like you, you realize that your, your pitcher is not the same guy during the top of the second that he is at the top of the sixth. And, and when yeah. you know that about guys, you know, there's a, it gets to a point where when they reach a certain pitch count, you know, you're, you know, you're going to pull them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of these teams have damn good bullpens. And the thing about bullpen pitchers is they can come in and give it all their shit. You know, they can give you a hundred percent for a whole inning. You know, they can get everything they got out of it. Whereas a starter has to kind of space that energy out across the game. So when you have a good bullpen, it's even more valuable to bring those guys in earlier because, you know, you're going from a guy who may have been, you know, down to 93, 92% energy and you're getting a guy that's going a hundred percent. Um, right. just gives you the edge over guys in the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning. So, so based on what I'm hearing you guys both say, you maybe analytics has interfered in the game a little too much, and that's part of the reason. It's not interfering, it, it's not necessarily. Uh, there's not necessarily a blame here. It's it's it's, the it's evolution the game. realizing what they have and the way to get the most out of it. Okay, yeah. which is what you do. In every facet of life, okay, right. Not just sports, but whether you're, you know, you're managing your money, you're managing food, you're managing whatever. You're looking to get the most out of what you have. Yeah. You can go the farthest. And when it comes to certain pitchers, some guys are only good for a couple innings. Some guys are like, I can get six solid innings out of this guy every single time he goes out. Okay, mm-hmm. but anything more than that is when he starts giving up, you know, you know, shots to the gap or over the fence. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. It's just uh, it's that part of the evolution of the game. Um, I don't I don't have any problem with guys not going as long. I I do have problem when you get a guy like Kershaw and he's got a perfect game. Like I'll, I'll still argue that, but um, no, I don't think it's interfering with the game or negatively affecting the game. I just think that this is just it's part of the natural evolution of baseball. It's like the more and more that we learn and the better the data is at, at giving teams an edge, you know, they're going to use that to their advantage and that's going to continue to happen. As long as baseball is a sport, it's, you're always going to be looking for, you know, the next way to get an edge on each other. And, and part of that's been the, the value of a good bullpen has increased tenfold and in, in mm-hmm. over the past decade. So it's just, uh, it's just the way the game's going right now. And it might swing back the other way. You never know. You know, we might learn more about injuries and about how long guys can go and, and whatnot. Like it, it's still kind of a mystery. Like, right. We don't have the best idea about how, you know, 
pitching, it's just, there's no direct science to it. You know what I mean? Like if a guy goes every five days, as opposed to every six, is it going to lengthen his career by a year or two years? It's like, you don't, we don't know, you know, we're just guessing at this point. And at, at this point in time, like the, the data says, like, you know, you, you don't want to get guys out there for over a hundred pitches. Like you're just, you're shortening a guy's career when you do that. So it's just the way that the game is going right now. Uh, for what it's worth, what I'll say, I think the introduction of PitchCom will have a massive impact on how far pitchers go. Because pitchers who don't use PitchCom and pitchers in years past, what they've been doing is wait till they, you know, get all of their, you know, their strength, stamina, energy all the way back so they can give 100% on every single pitch. Mm-hmm. But what that ends up doing is that ends up compounding over multiple innings, which reduces their overall effectiveness over a longer period of time. If they're throwing more frequently and they're maybe not at a hundred percent, those repeated throws and pitches at a, just a slower or lower level of, uh, I guess, uh, energy going into it, it will, re- uh, <clears throat> result in pitchers having more energy later in the game because they're not going full go from the start. Right. Got yeah. It. And the other thing we see right now too, is like velocity. Like there's a lot of guys that can throw hundred miles an hour in the MLB right now. You know what I mean? And, and when you've got guys like that, that are that like have that much kinetic energy behind their pitches, like you have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of it too, is a, a lot of the starters that you see in the league, they hit 90, you know, 96 to 99 regular, you know, and, and when you're throwing that hard, you just, you really have to be careful with the guy. So sure. You do. You do. Uh, real quick. We only got a couple minutes left. Who is the best team in baseball right now? Guardians. Yankees. Yeah. I got to say Yankees. Yankees. So I'm going to go with a different choice. Okay. Who you got? It's a, it's a little bit in, you got to just hear me out on this one. All right. It's the Mets. Here's why. They have the third best record in baseball based off of winning percentage, but they're doing that without Jacob DeGrom, without Max Scherzer. Tyler McGill's missed a decent amount of time. Uh, They had to filter themselves out of Robinson Cano. They had to option Dom Smith. Okay. Not everything's working well for them right now, but yet they have the third best record in baseball when they don't have two of their top pitchers and another productive, probably fourth pitcher in McGill. So I'm going to go with argue, It's hard to argue against any of that. And and the more you look at the numbers too, like you look at runs scored, even like the, the Mets have scored a considerable amount more than the Yankees. They're mm-hmm. at 266 on the year. The Yankees are at 229. Uh, the, the only real thing I see here that, that I argue for the Yankees is the runs against. Yeah, they've definitely limited teams to to less runs. But look at the run differential. It's not much different. Uh, the Mets are plus 72. Yankees are plus 79. So they're both right there. And the Mets are coming in riding a five game winning streak. So mm-hmm. yeah, power rankings wise, I have no problem with you saying the Mets are the best team in baseball. Um, I, I still just give a little bit of an edge to the Yankees, just the offensive firepower. And uh, it's just they're dominating right now. But um but yeah, it's hard to argue against the Mets. Yeah, for what it's worth, the the pitching thing could be completely different. Uh, the runs allowed if they had Degrom or Scherzer. I mean, look at the Yankees; they've had their full uh, complement of pitchers for the majority of the season. 
Yeah. It's not like they're missing Garrett Cole or Luis Severino. Okay. Yep. That's true. Yeah. This take Cole, yeah, take Garrett Cole off of this team and, and see what their record and what those numbers are right now. And hard argue. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The Mets are hot right now. They look really, really good. It's a good yeah. time to be a Mets fan. I'll give you that. Yeah. The story would be totally different, like you said, Brian, if Garrett Cole was not on the Yankees. And the Mets, like you said, James, the Mets are doing this without their two best pitchers and a very reliable other pitcher as well. Mm. Um, so maybe we're on a collision course to see the Subway Series in the World Series. I don't know. That's funny. Me, me and Brian actually talked about that in the, the, the last uh, Guarding the Corner episode, only because we want to see Frank the Tank have a complete meltdown with a subway through <laughs> in the social media era. It'd be, be so good. electric. It, he'd be at all seven games, too. Yeah, he would. Uh, yeah, uh, Dave Portland would flip the bill and make that happen. He would put him front and center next to Marlins, man. And so it would just be the the, the, the perfect polar opposites next to each other. I think – Frank the Tank's the only guy that can get Marlins man to leave his seat for non self promotional purposes. It has to be. Yeah, I'm here for that series. I would love that matchup. It would be a great matchup. By the way, Guardians just completed the sweep of the Royals. They won four to nothing. Now they go to Baltimore for a three game series where we should sweep that series also. So sweep for the Guardians. Let's go. That's what we hope for. We're another game closer to 500. We're going to go to Baltimore. We're going to kick the Orioles' ass. Jose Ramirez is going to hit multiple balls into that new left field gap that they have because they decided to make it more difficult to hit home runs at mm-hmm. Camden Yards. Some some doubles. Maybe some triples in, in Baltimore. That'd be nice. I like that. And then after we play Baltimore, we get a nice home stand against Texas and Oakland. I mean, we're going to be riding a 12-game win streak by the end of this. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> it's hard to, say, hard to say we don't win the World Series now that I look at the schedule. Yes. Yeah. Sure, we're with you. Uh, oh, and Tim Anderson to the IL, Dallas Keuchel released on waivers. So White Sox struggling right now. The Twins are going to crash back down to earth. That's not sustainable what they're doing. White Sox are struggling, and they got one of their best players on the IL. So, yeah, good time to be a Guardians fan. Yep. And, I, again, well, I was very- wrong about the Detroit Tigers. Tried to tell you the Tigers stink, Josh. We tried. You did. I I fucked that. I liked what you were doing. You were trying to go against the grain a little bit. You were being bold. I I applaud you for taking a chance, but didn't work out the best yet. No, it did not. And you learned from it. Yes, I did. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, I think, uh, I don't know. Did we have anything else before we go? That's it. Western Conference Finals started last night. Avalanche lead the Oilers one game to none. Eastern Conference Finals get underway tonight. It is the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the New York Rangers. All right. Well, good show, boys. That's all All I right. Listen to Guarding the Corner of This Is Believe on podcast at thisisbelieveland.com or anywhere else that podcasts are found. And make sure follow you me on su- Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, follow- yep. Make sure you subscribe to the So What's the Catch YouTube channel. That is where you will find this video. And make sure you subscribe to uh, the Sportsroom Podcast because you, you will also find it there. Cool. So- well, we'll see you next week, guys.
Yep. 